Welcome to the Are Your Hands Full podcast, a step-by-step parenting podcast for your Jewish family. My name is Dr. S. Yaroslavitz, and I hope you enjoy this episode. This podcast was scheduled and recorded many years ago, long before the coronavirus. Although some of it is probably not applicable for this year, you might just find it helpful. Stay well. So Pesach is in the air. It's a busy, busy time. Purim is over, and now we're on to Pesach. And we get so busy and so caught up into the requirements of the Yantif that we're sometimes too busy to think. And one of the biggest problems is when people are too busy to think, when they're unable to think things through and make sound and appropriate decisions during a busy, busy time. So one of the ways to get around that is to think things through ahead of time. Anticipate what it is that the yuntif is going to entail, what it is the yuntif is going to bring, what demands are the yuntif going to have on me, and how am I going to plan my reactions. So the best way to think is to think in advance when you know you're headed into a patch of time when you're going to be too busy to think things through. Now, when you think about the yuntif, you probably think about two aspects of it. First, I hope you're thinking about how pleasurable Pesach is, because Pesach is a marvelous and wonderful yuntif. It's a great opportunity for chinuch. It's a great opportunity for family time. It's a wonderful opportunity to recognize the Rabban Shalom and what he did for us by taking us out of Mitzrayim and the whole history of Kal Yisrael. It's a marvelous and wonderful time of year. Spring is in the air. The weather changes. There's so much excitement when it comes to Pesach. And yet, there's the other side, and that is obligation. Obligation and pressure. Obligation to get things done, to finish what we have to do, and to pull the yuntif in. And the question is, what do you focus on more? Do you focus on the pressure, or do you focus on the pleasure? And obviously, we need a little bit of both, but the question is not so much how well you integrate both, but on which one you are hyper-focused, and at what cost, and to whom. Now, the best way to decide whether or not you're going to focus on the pleasure of the yuntif versus the pressure of the yuntif and how you're going to make that happen is to first ask yourself, what is it that Banshalm wants from me? Because this is really not about you. It's about him. What is it that Banshalm wants from me? You're making the yuntif for him. You're doing it so that he should be happy. So the first question you have to ask yourself is, what do I anticipate will make Banshalm happy? And I'll tell you, and I think you'll agree with me, that what makes Banshalm happiest is when we are zeicha to be makayim ben adam lechaveiro. When we're able to hold it together ben adam lechaveiro, that makes the Rabban the happiest. And that means that we know that it hurts the Rabban very, very much when we're not kind to each other. And we know that. So much so that when we get to Yom Kippur, the Rabban tells us, look, I can forgive you for everything, you get mechila for everything except ben adam lechavero. Ben adam lechavero is something that the Rabbanu really, really has an issue with. And Svira comes right after Pesach. And we work so hard on our ben adam lechavero right after Pesach, through Pekayavos. And here we are, right before Svira. And are we going to sacrifice our ben adam lechavero just because of the pressure of this yantif? Let's see if we can figure out how not to do that. Let's see if we can figure out how to keep Bain Adam Lechavero right in front of our minds during this most hectic time of year. So I'm going to divide up 
this class into Bain Adam Lachavero between a few different relationships. Number one, ourselves and our children, obviously, because this is a Chinuch class. What are our Bain Adam Lachavero skills during hectic, busy times between ourselves and our children? That's number one. Number two, ourselves and our parents. Because many of us are Baruch Hashem sandwiched between children and parents. What is our relationship between ourselves and our parents? Ben Adam Chavero. Certainly if we're going to spend time with our parents during these Yom Tovim. And the last is ourselves and each other. How do we deal with each other during this time of year? Now, obviously you must be scratching your head and saying to yourself, she left out ourselves and our husbands, which really belongs number one. Except that because Shalom Bayis is such a huge parsha and so much more beyond the scope of this class, I'm going to skip it for now. I'm not going to identify it, but you should know that what you're going to learn today between yourselves and your children, between yourselves and your parents, between yourselves and each other, if you can apply all of this to husbands, you'll be doing just fine. Okay, so let's talk about ourselves and our children. And ourselves and our children are extremely, extremely important because they should not, children should not be the carbon Pesach. In other words, they should not be sacrificed. Their emotional well-being should not be sacrificed for this yuntif. The Rabban Shalom did not intend for that to happen. He does not want that. Okay, so they should not be carbonous altogether. And they certainly should not be carbonous when it comes to our religion. Okay, so many times people get so involved with their Pesach cleaning to the point where they think they're doing it for the Rabban Shalom. And I'm telling you that after 120, you're going to get upstairs to the Rabban Shalom and you're going to say, I scrubbed all that gunk off the food processor for you. And the Rabban Shalom is going to say, for me? For me? You scrubbed it off for me? I didn't ask you to do it. And I'm going to tell you that if you focus on the history of the mitzvah of cleaning for Pesach, you'll have a little bit of better idea of what exactly the Bunshalom is asking from us today in these times. Back in the day, our Zaydas and our Babas, Taka did not have separate Kalim for Pesach. They did not have separate Kalim for Pesach. That's a really hard thing for us to imagine. We're all so used to growing up with separate Pesach dishes and Chametz dishes, but they didn't. They couldn't afford it, and they didn't. So their mitzvah of cleaning for Pesach was hugely different than ours. And the reason for that is that they had to kasher everything. And the way the halachas of kashering go, and you probably know this and learned this, is that every single piece of everything has to be scrubbed off of those dishes and off of those pots. Then it has to lay quiet for 24 hours, and then you could, be, you could kasher it. And there are halachas that are involved, and there are stories in the shtetlach of that they had, they had hagola centers and kashering centers, and people used to scrub and scrub and scrub and scrub, and then they used to take their pots to be kashered, and that's how they made Pesach. I wonder what some of the babas and zaydas, if we brought them back down today and showed them entire Pesach kitchens, let alone sets of dishes, entire separate Pesach kitchens. And we also showed them that we're standing there with toothpicks, removing the gunk off the pots and can openers that we are going to put away and sell and not even use for Pesach. I wonder what they would think. Why are you doing that? You're so lucky. The Rabban Shalom has poured enough affluence onto this world that people can afford, in general, our cloud can afford 
separate dishes. And there isn't a household today that doesn't have separate dishes. And even the concept of separate kitchens is becoming more and more accepted. Why would you stand there and scrub who knows what off your dishes if those dishes are not going to get used and are going to get sold anyway? Now, you want to say to me, it's the one time of year. I want my dishes to be clean. I want my pots to be clean. I, the one time a year they should lay quiet for 14 days or whatever it is, and they should at least be clean once a year. You want to say that to me? Well, I'm going to answer to you. This is not about you. It's not about you, and it's not about what you want. It's about what the Rabbanu asks. And it's certainly not about you if you're going to use up all your energy so that you're not able to give time, kayach, and love to your children. So, I can't say to you that it's okay to spend your kaychas scrubbing gunk off of dishes that are not going to be used on Pesach because the Zaydas didn't have spare sets of dishes. I can't say to you that that's okay. And I can't say to you that that's okay at the expense of the safety and security and the memories that your children are going to have for this yantif. So I'm asking you, and those of you who have taken my course and listened to me speak about this, can you take upon yourself that I'm going to start with one appliance or two appliances or a few dishes? If you feel you can't, oh my goodness, this is what I'm used to, tie up a food processor into a garbage liner and take a piece of tape and write the word July on it. This is going to get cleaned in July. This is going to get cleaned in December. I have no problem if once a year you decide you want to take out your food processor and really clean it. I don't mind. But does it have to be Erev Yomtif when your children are developing a whole impression of a Yomtif? Does it have to be at a time where they're off from school anyway and they're so excited for the Yomtif and they learn so much about it and then they come home to a tense mother who Laman Hashem has to get the gunk out of her food processor with toothpicks because 200 years ago her Zayda had to get the gunk off the pot in order to get there in time for the Hagala? Let's stay focused on what we have to do and what we really need to do. We need to create for our children a sense of the yuntif, that they will love the yuntif enough that they will kill themselves to make yuntif for the next door. I sometimes think back to the stories we have of people who risked their lives to bring in a piece of matzah into the camps. As, as recently as the camps, but even Dyrus Dyrus back, people who risked their lives, Yidin who risked their lives to make Siddharam in the most obscene of places under the most obscene anti-Semitism. And I always wonder, what did the mothers put into these children that they should love the Yontif so much that they should risk their lives for it? And then I ask myself the unspoken question, are we putting into our children enough love for this Yontif with all of our Pesach kitchens and all of our separate appliances and with all our tangerine-flavored, multi-scented cleansers that are lining the shelves of the supermarkets, are we putting in enough ava into the Yontif so that our children will kill themselves to replicate that Yontif under any circumstances? Scary thought. Very scary. Because wanting to replicate this mitzvah, wanting to replicate this yantif, comes from a sense of feeling safe and secure. Comes from a sense of knowing that the door before you loved the yantif. Loved the yantif. 
What memories do you have of Erev Pesach from your house? And of course, I'm going to take out the time now to give you some of mine. Because I remember the excitement and the thrill in the air. I really do. I'm going to tell you honestly. And it wasn't that my mother wasn't pressured. And it wasn't that they had money. And it wasn't like it was so easy for them. It wasn't. But yet, I do remember in those days, people didn't turn over their kitchens. Never mind, they didn't have Pesach kitchens, but they certainly didn't turn over their kitchens weeks before and put the family under pressure. I remember my mother turning over the kitchen the night before. Those of you who are old enough to remember, nobody even had the thought of turning over sooner than Badikas Hametz night. And I remember after Badikas Hametz, we were told as little children, if we go to sleep nicely, we're going to get a surprise in the morning. And the excitement of waking up in the morning and finding the whole kitchen turned over with different dishes and different pots and the thrill. And yes, she was up all night doing it. And I remember in the later years, she got really creative and decided to turn over one night earlier to make it a little bit easier. But the thought didn't cross their minds that they had to be cooking for weeks and weeks and weeks in advance. That wasn't what Pesach was all about. It wasn't what Pesach was all about because they didn't make so many of the fancy stuff. They just cooked basic stuff and it w they were happy. And there was a sense of humor in the house. Yes, my mother did have a goita. She had a goita. We all remember Blanche. Blanche used to talk to herself. We had such a good time with Blanche. We even have the funniest stories. I invite any single one of you to go find my brothers in Lakewood or walk into a shul in Queens and find my brother and ask him about Blanche. He'll tell you. He'll tell you about the time our cousin, Rabhaim Shmuel Lapian, came to visit on Erev Pesach because he was in for Yantif, and my mother <coughs> set up a whole nice thing for him to sit and eat and my father was sitting and entertaining him and at some point he needed to go use the restroom and um, so you know my parents showed him to the restroom and it was wonderful and all of a sudden Blanche who was cleaning at the time came rushing into the kitchen white like a sheet and she said ma'am ma'am you know who I saw in the bathroom I saw Yashka in the bathroom. Now, she said his name real, really out, and I'm using the word Yashka, and if I tell you it became a family joke about how Reb Chaim Shmuel Lapian was Yashka in the bathroom, it became a family joke. To this point, we sit, it's almost a half a century later, and we can sit and hold our sides during a Cholomoyed Suda and laugh about Blanche and about the Gaitas and what it was like and what Erev Pesach was like, and we have such fond memories of what Erev Yantiv was like. Nobody could forget Blanche. Who could forget Blanche? She's probably who knows where by now. But nobody could forget her. We don't remember the tension. We remember the excitement. And my question is, is if you can see Pesach through your children's eyes and see a Seder through children's eyes and see how the majestic setting of the table and the kittles and the strimlach and the hats, how exciting it is for them and not ruin it for them, not ruin it for them with the pressure to develop a sense of humor when there's pressure. To know that the excitement for them is something that will, they will take for the, through Dar Dairis. And that that's what will cause the excitement for your Eneklach and for your Or Eneklach. That's what you need to focus on. So now you want to tell me, well, you know, once a year I have to clean anyway. I want to do it right. 
Okay, I'm giving you the arguments I get from people. Once a year, I have to clean. Let me at least clean right. Once a year, I want my linen closet to be neat. It's never neat a whole year. Once a year, I want it to be, to be neat. You know what? You have a need to be in control. You have a need to be organized. Don't pick a yuntif as special and as kadosh as Pesach to use your needs to be organized and in control as a reason to destroy it. That is the Yitzhahara. There is nowhere in the entire Shulchan Aruch and the entire Torah, last I checked, that discusses your linen closets, your photo albums, your toys being in the appropriate boxes, or any other type of organizing that you're doing. Nowhere in the Shulchan Aruch does it say that every winter piece of clothing has to be out and folded and put away. Nowhere does it say all of that. Yes, I know you're going through it anyway, but anyway takes a lot of extra time and take, puts a lot of pressure on these children and takes away that thrill and their love for the mitzvah. Believe me, going through your photo albums is not Yiddishkeit. And don't get upstairs after 120 and try to sell to the Rabbanu Shalom that you organized your photo albums, Erev Pesach, for him. You didn't do it for him. He's going to say, me? What do I have with your photo albums? I didn't need your photo albums. It's the worst time of year to, buy, to try to be organized. That's the honest truth. I laugh about it. It's the worst time of year to try to get organized. You know why? I want to tell you something. I put a lot of kaychets to setting my Seder table. I do. I put time and effort and it's gorgeous and it's beautiful and we set it up and it's stunning. And then I stand there and I look at it. It's about four o'clock in the afternoon, let's say, before, the, before this modern era of Yantif, and I think to myself, what is this room going to look like in 12 hours from now? This room is going to look like a tsunami hit it in 12 hours from now. From the time that first wine spills, from the time those first matzah crumbs come, from the time all those reklachan hats go flying across the room and settled everywhere, once that starts, the place looks like a hurricane hit it until Yomtev is over. Every closet gets turned over. Every bedroom gets turned over. Everything. And so, for what? For what did I do all this organizing for? So that they should move in Kanainahara on me for a week and a half and turn it upside down anyway. I'm anyway going to have to reorganize it once I'm done. So why is it that we pick this time? I'm telling you it's the Yitzhahara. I can't think of any other way or any other reason. That we pick a time to organize our whole houses right before we get an onslaught of having the kids home and having to turn over the whole kitchen and everything else so that the place gets so if it could dry anyway. So that's the Yitzhahara's way of getting us to stay away from the mitzvah and the yuntif in and of itself. So I'm begging you to organize in July. You want to get organized? Get organized after a yuntif. The best time to get organized is after a yuntif, after Sukkot, after Pesach. Go through your photo albums. I don't have a problem. You know when I do my photo albums? All summer long. The summer, the nine days. There are times when organizing is a wonderful time to do things. I have no problem being organized. I'm organized. But not Erev Yontif, not when Ruchnius is so important. Not when the child's impression of the Yontif is so, so important. Thanks for listening to my podcast. My name is Dr. S. Yaroslavitz, and I am the director of Handsful, which is committed to the provision of community education in the area of behavior management and cognitive development of children. Send me your parenting questions by going to my website at handsfullchenuch.com 
or by WhatsApping me at 718-714-8595. I look forward to hearing from you. And remember, no matter how impossible things may seem, the Earth will continue rotating on its axis.